This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Courage is always greatest when blended with meekness. Intellectual ability is most admirable when it sparkles in the setting of a modest self-distrust. And never does the human soul appear so strong as when it foregoes revenge and dares to forgive an injury. End quote. Today's quote's origins are difficult to ascertain. This happens from time to time, and you know that I like to provide the provenance of a quote. It's part of the reason that this podcast exists. Anybody can go and look up a list of quotes somewhere and be inspired by them. But I think one of the things that enhances a quote is knowing a little bit more about who said it, to whom they said it, and why they said it. This is no exception. If you look up this quote online, you'll find it attributed to Edwin Hubble Chapin. Now, I have little reason to believe that it's not his, but also no proof that it is his. I found it referenced as far back as 1884, and Hubble lived from 1814 to 1880, so if he said it in his lifetime, it's possible that it surfaced shortly thereafter and was published in a book. Now, Chapin did publish a number of pamphlets and collections, most of them Christian-based, and in spite of that, I was not able to find the actual reference where this was originally said. Now, in case you didn't gather... Chapin was very religious, he was Christian, and a lot of his writings and his time spent at the pulpit probably was not recorded the way that we do today. As you may know, meekness is a term that's most often used in Christian circles, so the theme also fits there for him. So again, it's highly likely that this is Chapin's quote, but again, not being able to find the original text, or a reference to the original text even, I can't absolutely attributed to him, as much as I'd like to. That said, I failed to unearth the reference or the original document or an event from which the quote is taken, so it lives, as far as this podcast is concerned, in uncertainty. But, as I've always said, you can correct me. Show me where this quote originated, and I'll certainly issue a correction. I'll do so gladly, in fact. But, in this case, I don't think that the lack of definitive provenance negates the value of the quote. And as I mentioned, meekness is not a term that's tossed about in modern society for the most part. Merriam-Webster defines it as, quote, a mild, moderate, humble, or submissive quality, end quote. Now, that, you may have heard the trigger word there, that probably is the reason why we don't use it very often. And that's submissive. It has this negative connotation to it, especially to most Western societies, where machismo and grandioseness and bigger is better, etc., etc., reign supreme. So bring the word submissive into any conversation and all of a sudden, the tone changes. To be meek is to be weak, as some might say. And this does, to a certain degree, stand up to some scrutiny. Submissive implies the counterpoint of dominance, and if you had to choose, most people, again, Western society is known for this, would choose dominance. This is not necessarily so in religious circles, specifically in Christianity. There is a Bible verse, and of course I don't know the reference, but it is, The meek shall inherit the earth. 
Now, don't misunderstand. That's not to say that all Christians are meek, or if they are, they're not all submissive, at least not in the pejorative sense. Submissive in this case refers to deference to a higher power. And we all do this, religious or not, no matter how big or tough we think we are. It doesn't necessarily have to be some invisible deity somewhere. We bow to government, we bow to the universe, we bow to gravity, etc., etc., etc. Many things govern us, and we submit to them whether we admit it to ourselves or not. So, perhaps, meekness should be given more value in society than it is. At least, perhaps, allowed to enter our lexicon without immediate presumptions of softness or weakness. In fact, internalizing this quote in its entirety would go a long way to improving the world as a whole. And what, if anything else, do we love more on this show than distilling all the world's problems down into just a simple, multi-semicolon sentence such as this one? I'll tell you, we love nothing more than that. Of course, I kid, but let me read the quote for you again for your consideration. Here it is. Quote, Courage is always greatest when blended with meekness. Intellectual ability is most admirable when it sparkles in the setting of a modest self-distrust. And never does the human soul appear so strong as when it forgoes revenge and dares to forgive an injury. End quote. As you might expect, there's a lot to like here and a lot to be challenged by. We spoke about meekness already, but... Give it a try. It doesn't hurt. The, the next portion of the quote talks about intellect being impressive, quote, in the setting of a modest self-distrust, end quote. Now this I love. I really do. I love that particular line. In the setting of a modest self-distrust. This is partially because it is so rare and so valuable that it's worth seeking out and highlighting quite literally at every opportunity. We use the terms certainty and confidence and courage all as the same thing. In fact, perhaps at work or in other fields of life, you've heard someone say, just say it with confidence, and they'll believe you, or some version thereof. I'm sure you have. I know I have. It's almost a trope in the military, though it really shouldn't be. We talk a lot to senior individuals. It's a very hierarchical organization, and there's a lot of times where the information that you're presenting is stuff that you're not necessarily the most well-versed in. Even if you are, there's likely to be questions that we like to call stump the chump type questions. The types of questions where no matter how much you've prepared for something, somebody is going to ask something in an attempt to stump you. Not necessarily deliberately so, but it is some weird power dynamic thing that some people enjoy. So it's going to happen. But if you give your answer with confidence as some people might say, they're just going to believe you. You probably experience this in other walks of life as well. I know that I do. But we must be careful here, because we're encouraged to exude certainty, confidence, and courage in all that we do. That can lead us astray. Consider, for example, two politicians. Let's call them Politician X and Politician Y. They're running for President of the United States, and I don't care what party they belong to. Does not matter. Politician X gets up on stage, speaking with confidence and certainty. Here are the problems, here are my solutions, here's what we need to do, and here's how we're going to solve everything that's wrong with the world. Spoiler, for those keeping track at home, very, very few of the promises made during presidential campaigns are actually ever fulfilled, across the board. There are data sets on this, go look. Now, in counterpoint, Politician Y stands up and says, Look, I've never done this before. And let's be honest, aside from a few handfuls of humans who've ever lived, even fewer who are actually alive, neither have any of you. 
There are challenges. There are issues. I know them, and I know them well, but I don't have all the answers. But what I will do is surround myself with the smartest people I can find, with the broadest set of ideas and solutions, and we will do everything in our power to bring the best solution to you and implement it to the nation's benefit, even if I don't know what that is right now. Who wins? Who wins? Politician X, Mr. or Miss Confident and Courageous, or Politician Y, Mr. or Miss, look, this is how it is. It's a really hard job. Nobody's done it before, or very few people have done it before. But I'm going to give it the old college try. I'm going to surround myself with smart people. I'm going to take their inputs, and I'm going to use them to try to come up with the best solution. In case you're wondering, the certain one wins every time. Not that we've ever really had anybody get up and try the second one, but I don't suspect it would be taken well by the pundits or the voters. Even if we know that politician X doesn't know, and we know that they probably won't deliver, we still reward that, let's call them what they are, a liar who misrepresents themselves with the highest office in the land. Now, of course, this isn't to rail against all political efforts, though perhaps I should. It's just an example of confidence taking priority over meekness. Politician Y is meek. A certain amount of distrust in oneself. You know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's okay. When was the last time you heard a politician say that? This type of humility is in astonishingly short supply. And that's not new. It's arguably always been that way. Humility doesn't win you medals, it doesn't get you on TV or get you a huge following on social media. There's no Academy Award for Most Humble Actor of 2023. No. People want certainty. They want someone to tell them how it is, and they want them to do so confidently. Now, going a step further, the quote calls on us to forego revenge and forgive an injury. Now, I'll warn you, the next story is a bit gruesome, so consider yourself forewarned. If you don't want to hear it, feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes, and we'll move on to something else. But recently, I heard a horrific story of an Iranian man who, because he had been rejected by a woman, her name was Armena Barami, I'm trying to pronounce that correctly, he threw a container of acid into her face and blinded and disfigured her for life. Yeah, it's pretty awful. This, sadly, is not uncommon in some parts of the world. In Iran, the law allows for retributive punishment in kind if so desired by the victim. So the individual, in this case the man, was found guilty, and retributive justice essentially is, in this case, quite literally an eye for an eye. So in the original sense, the, the victim did desire this, and the attacker was actually set to be blinded in a very similar fashion that she was. However, in the waning time before the sentence was to be carried out, the victim, whom, under the same law, has the final say and can change their mind at any time, opted to pardon the man. Now, good on her. That's probably the right thing to do. You may disagree with me there, but I think in terms of humanity, it's probably not the best path to be going down. That said, if that story made you uncomfortable, it should. Now, let's not get into the value or not of such types of punishment or the comparison of how our own nation's corporal punishments are similar but different. 
Um, let's instead focus on the pardoning itself. Imagine that. Imagine the circumstances and consider whose, in the, in the case of this quote, soul appears the strongest. Right? The woman who was blinded, somebody took a container of acid and threw it into her face, blinding her for life. Now she has, under the law, the ability to do the exact same thing to her attacker. And you may think, you may be thinking that that is perfect. That's exactly as it should be. Everything that you do to someone else, they should be able to do to you. There is, to be fair, a certain amount of logic to that. But the question is, how far down that rabbit hole do we want to go? Now, this is not an ethics and morality podcast, although we do dabble in those topics from time to time. But think about it. Whose soul appears stronger? The one who carries out the punishment? Allowable under the law, though it may be. Is that person strong? Certainly in some senses. Or the one who pardons the attacker? Whose soul is stronger? How much strength does it take to take the kind of physical pain and anguish and disfigurement for life and say, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to another human being. I'm not going to do what was done to me to someone else. So the question today, and the quote puts the question to us, what type of person are you? What type of person do you want to be? And this is, as you can imagine, a really, really difficult question. And of course, this is an extreme example. But we are visited by wrongs every single day. Some are easy to forgive and forget. Others linger for a long time, sometimes for the rest of our lives. But we should ask ourselves if any of them are really worth holding on to. How certain should we be about what we believe or think or feel that we know? These questions are all worth considering as we go about our days and our lives. Do we exist in a setting of modest self-distrust? Or are we certain? They beg the question of us, what type of person do we wish to be? Consider that today. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at QuotationsPod or join the conversation on Facebook at QuotationsPod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.